Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to the Redheaded Preacher podcast. I am the Redheaded Preacher of St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Skokie. My name is Richard Lanford, and it's May 22nd. And in light of recent events of violence and um, racism behind these some of this violence, um, my sermon comes from lectionary scriptures, but does not ignore uh, what's going on. And so the passages you'll hear Carolyn Van Til read are from the book of the Revelation to John, Psalm 67, and John, the Gospel, chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. And given the gravity of the situation um, and the length of the sermon, haha, ha, uh, please join me in the spirit of prayer. Holy One, we turn to your word for insight and strength and hope in the living of these days. May something from your word, as we listen to it expounded on in the podcast, help us, strengthen us, open our eyes a little bit. However you see that we might need to be built up or challenged, may this happen. May your spirit move to do your will, gracious as it is. In Jesus' name, amen. And here we go with the sermon called For or Against Healing. Psalm 67 is our first reading. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known upon earth, your saving power among all nations, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, has blessed us. May God continue to bless us. And let all the ends of the earth revere him. This ends the reading from the 67th Psalm. Our New Testament reading is from the book of the Revelations to John. It's chapter 21, verse 10, and then goes from verse 22 to chapter 22, verse 5. The initial he is one of the seven angels who appeared previously in this vision after the final judgment. And in the spirit he carried me away to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. I saw no temple in the city for its temple is the Lord God the Almighty and the Lamb and the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it for the glory of the Lord is its light and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. People will bring it into the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will enter it, nor anyone who practices abominations or falsehoods, but only those who are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. 
Then the, the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. And on the, either side of the river is the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Nothing accursed will be found there anymore. But the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And there will be no more night. They will need no light of lamp or sun. The Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. This ends the reading from the Revelation. Our passage is John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. This is right after Jesus healed the seriously ill son of a royal official in another city. Without going there in person, but the father of the son so thoroughly believed Jesus could do it regardless. John says it was the second sign Jesus did after coming to Judea from Galilee. This means an important development in John's gospel. It is the after this. After this, there was a festival of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, there is a pool, called in Hebrew, Bethsida, which has the five porticles. In these lay many invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, Stand up, take your mat, and walk. At once the man was made well, and he took up his mat and began to walk. Now that day was a Sabbath. Here ends the reading of the Gospel lesson and the readings for today's service. Thanks be to God for this God's holy word. Many years ago, at softball practice, I jammed my thumb. It hurt a lot, and I could not move it. Bob Iannotti was there behind the backstop. He took a look at it, felt it, and said, I can unjam this if you want. I said, yes, please. To which he warned me, it's going to hurt. And I said, okay. He yanked the thumb, and it became free again. Yes, it did hurt, but then and it was back to normal. It makes me think of Jesus' question to the invalid, do you want me to make you well? Now that sounds like a duh question given that the guy that had been there unhealed apparently for 38 years. We don't know if he'd been there 38 years, but he'd been in this situation for 38 years and presumably there a very long time. Now, he has a reason for why he is not healed at this pool known for healing. But the question is still a good one, not only for him, but for all of us, the Church Universal, and this whole country as we continue, literally, to shoot ourselves over and over again. Do we want to be made well? Do we want Jesus to make us well? Is it really a slam dunk yes? 
I wanted Bob to help my thumb, and he did. The lame man in the story does not answer Jesus explicitly, but basically says yes when he explains his situation. He's an invalid with limited mobility. One scholar has posited that he is a paraplegian. Whenever the pool's water was agitated, which was believed to be when it would heal or could heal, someone always got there ahead of him first. Behold, now, a force that was against his healing and is still against healing on multiple levels. Something that was against his healing or access through the pool to possible healing and still is, is this. Actually, it's two things. Selfishness and cruelty. Selfishness and cruelty act against folks getting cured or healed. They're not always the same thing. And it is not just in the realm of health. For 38 years, or however long he was there, someone always cut in front of him. No one gave up their turn, or a loved one's turn, ever, for his sake. Better to leave this guy to rot. Who cares about him anyway? All that matters is my or mine. Now that's not apathy. It is willful cruelty. And of course, greed in the world of cures, and in some cases, pharmaceuticals, depending on your coverage. Selfishness and willful cruelty, as well as not having an advocate to help him move, cut him off from fair access through no apparent fault of his own. And we've heard about the baby formula shortage, which disproportionately affects single mothers in terms of and poor single mothers in terms of affordability, law of supply and demand, and access. That boils down to selfish fear plus cruelty on those in the know at Abbott Labs' Michigan plant. We remember pharma bro, Martin Shkreli, who was known for once raising the price of a life-saving drug 5,000%. Selfishness and cruelty can block access to those who need a chance to get to what can cure or perhaps even heal them. So many countries in places like Africa and Eastern Europe and Asia have been woefully supplied with inadequate amounts of COVID vaccine. Why is that? That's a lack of access that must have killed who knows how many persons and in turn helped speed up the evolution of variants, which ultimately come back here to keep the virus party going. Selfishness and cruelty are not only among the roadblocks to access to healing, and healing itself sometimes. They're obstacles to healing on a, a larger scale, and that example I just gave with the vaccines. They can create sickness. I've preached before about environmental racism. Studies were done decades ago with help from the United Church of Christ that proved nuclear waste was stored underground right by communities of largely African Americans in the South. I've preached before and more recently about how certain plants, and I mean not plants you grow, but you know industrial plants, 
which heavily spews smoke and pollutants into the air or damage the soil and water of the community, they seem to often be next to communities of color and or poverty in Chicago and Indiana. Just last February, and you might remember this, CBS News Chicago reported that, quote, city officials denied an operating permit for Southside Recycling, a controversial scrap metal recycling facility on the Southeast side, after deeming it poses an unacceptable risk to health and air quality in the surrounding community. Now, Reserve Management Group, the scrapyard's parent company, needed a final permit from the Chicago Department of Public Health to begin operating. But the Department of Public Health announced that it had denied RMG's permit application after the president's top environmental official told her in a letter that he has major reservations about the car shredding plant moving to the southeast side, raising civil rights concerns about the move from a predominantly white neighborhood to a mostly Latino community already overburdened with pollution. Selfishness and cruelty, perhaps? Or asserting more than white privilege? Do we want Jesus to make us well? Yes. Yes, indeed. Such a petition, directed at God, and when answered by God through miracle or people. We recall Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Why? That your way may be known upon earth, your saving power to the nations. Our desire for healing, our access to it, and an end to those forces creating sickness or preventing wellness, to the extent that these this, these desires for healing, etc., that they're motivated by our faith and our compassion, our stewardship of the earth, and following Jesus gives God that witness to the nations. Love, faith, compassion are all forces that are for healing. God is in favor of healing. Just read the stories of Jesus. The church is meant to be, and so often is, a force for healing. The church started hospitals, inspired by Jesus' own healing ministry and the command to love. And the church is behind some of our healthcare networks even now. Many of you know that advocate health systems began as a merger between the Lutheran church's health system and that of our UCC's heritage's evangelical health systems from our evangelical and reformed part of the United Church. When they merged, they took the name Advocate, the same word used by Jesus in John 14 to refer to the Holy Spirit. And I will send you, an, or the Father will send you an Advocate who will be with you. Can love and compassion and faith and discipleship take on selfishness and willful cruelty? Sometimes, and although not always through the church, such as the permit refusal that I mentioned. And so I have to say yes to that question with hope in the power of God and the love of God. It is also the subject of many books over centuries, 
when we go beyond personal spiritual transformation from one's selfishness, uh, fear, and cruelty to applying such transformations beyond individuals to society's instructions. It's been written about and examined and argued for centuries. You and I also follow John to find Jesus the Lamb and Almighty God on the throne in heaven where there is another kind of healing God is for, the healing of the nations. We heard a carol and read the vision. Then the angel showed me the river, not a trickle, the river of the water of life, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life tree of life from the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve didn't get there. It didn't say they couldn't eat the fruit of that tree. No, they too quickly gave in to the getting into the eating of the tree of the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. They could have gotten to the tree of life until they fell. So here it is again. On either side of the river of the water of life is the tree of life and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. The sovereignty of our God and Savior is why there is this healing of the nations. There is no selfishness, cruelty, or greed in this new Jerusalem, this city, this gathered community of God's people. The healing there from the water of life flowing from the throne of grace that we know in Christ confirms our belief that God is for healing. And God's lordship will see to it, at least in the heavenly kingdom, definitely there. Yet there is still, there is still at least one warning you and I can get, helping us to be for healing in the here and now. This warning comes from what John says is not allowed in this beatific and joyous place. What is not allowed is something that is truly against healing, including healing for the nations. John describes the holy city and says, nothing unclean will enter it, nor anyone who practices abomination or falsehood. No falsehood, no abominations, no lies about COVID or vaccines. Earlier I mentioned that selfishness and willful cruelty not only can block access to healing, but also work against healing at all in some cases. The shootings at a Millennium Park drive-by and that state and lake, the mass shooting in Buffalo and the attempt of same at a church in Laguna Woods have consumed our headlines and gripped our country, especially our metropolitan area and that of Milwaukee, especially the murders in Buffalo ending so many lives, particularly African-American lives, is the opposite of healing. It's the opposite of healing. And it reflects a great disease in parts of America, feeding on falsehood as well as fear. Yes, selfishness and cruelty, but also brokenness and lies and abomination. Adam Russell Taylor is now the president of Sojourners, a magazine I subscribe to and have for years. 
Just a few days ago, you wrote an article put online called Christians Cannot Be Lukewarm in Denouncing Replacement Theory. Of the Buffalo murders, he wrote, and now much of it is, is what we have heard and know, he wrote, in the chilling echo of other recent acts of white supremacist terror, a white 18-year-old drove halfway across his home state of New York to a predominantly black neighborhood of Buffalo and killed 10 people at a grocery store, wounding three others. The team had also considered attacking a black church and predominantly black elementary school in the area. His gun, an assault weapon he bought legally and then modified to hold, a, hold more ammunition, had a racial slur written on the barrel posted a lengthy manifesto online stating his white supremacist motives for the massacre. Adam Russell Taylor continued, the killer explicitly linked his heinous act to the belief that Western elites are attempting to replace and disempower white people. This belief is at the core of what's known as the Great Replacement Theory, which weaponizes white fear and anger about the growing diversity in many Western nations in ways that have contributed to abominations, to horrific violence against Black, Asian, Latino, and Jewish communities. End of quote from Adam. Falsehoods being spread. Steve Chapman in Tuesday's, Thursday's Chicago Tribune wrote, but the gravity of his alleged crime should not obscure the howling idiocy theory that inspired Demographic shifts are hardly at odds with our nation's history and character. In fact, nothing could be more quintessentially American. He said this was a falsehood that was idiotic. Adam Taylor, writing from a Christian perspective, also wrote, before the public outcry dies down, and isn't it sad that we all know it will, we must boldly and unequivocally denounce the, the great replacement theory and instead live out the great commandments. The great replacement theory draws on the worst of our nation's history, falsely, there's falsehood, falsely implying that non-white people are a threat to our nation's future. But the great commandment offers the best of our civic and religious values reminding us that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. It lends itself to a moral vision of a multiracial democracy in which everyone, regardless of race, ethnicity, and religion, is equally valued. Falsehood is to be confronted by you and me living out the great commandment and the great commission at the end of Matthew 28. Falsehood in our time needs to be confronted powerfully, gracefully, with informed faith, love, and an understanding, an unyielding understanding, that we are all made in God's image, all equal under the cross, regardless of our faith, all called to a peaceful community. The Buffalo Massacre is an abomination, and so is the false theory behind it. They stand against the healing America needs. Instead, those feeding us such theories, fears, and hatreds only keep us from dealing with the deeper issues that divide us. They take us backwards, 
Far from following the example of Jesus, who fed the hungry, healed the sick, called out the hypocrites, touched the lepers, which you didn't do because it would make you ceremonially unclean, but he, that didn't stop him, ate with hookers and bums, taught forgiveness and nonviolence. Because of our faith, we are for healing and access to it. We all need to be healed. The nation needs to be healed. I believe God says so for the healing of the nations. Healing comes at some point by praying out the selfishness, cruelty, and greed within those harboring that. Sometimes legally pushing it back from hurting vulnerable people. Healing comes when falsehood is met by informed, resurrection, tough grace and truth. Healing comes under the sovereignty of our God, who knows something about raising the dead to life for the good of all who receive. You and I are servants of this God, who is for healing upon all sorts of levels. I'm grateful for your tuning in and for listening to this sermon. It took me longer than most sermons to write, and um, I'm sure I could have improved it, made it more concise, or spent some more time on parts of it, but that would have required spending less time on other parts, and I just couldn't see how to do that and say everything that I hope to say. And so with its imperfections, I hope that you found some things worthwhile in it. That is always my hope and prayer. Next week will be for May 29th. That's in the civic calendar. That's Memorial Day weekend. And uh, we've also got some more stuff from Revelation 22, if I choose to preach out of that, as well as John 17. We'll see. you got to tune in to find out what, uh, what the Spirit will bring to me to share with you and the congregation of St. Peter's. Until then, may God bless you, and may God bless your week. Amen. Like what you've heard? Hit subscribe to follow and get updates on our newest additions to the Redheaded Preacher. We'd love it if you'd give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us online under most social media platforms by typing St. Peter UCC Skokie in your browser. Donations are much needed and very welcomed. You can donate to us by going to paypal.me backslash St. Peter UCC Skokie. This information and more can also be found in the show notes wherever you listen to our podcast. Thank you so much.